While on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, we've been on the move, zooming here and there. Mark accelerates the pace when he introduces Jesus Christ through his gospel, quickly moving the reader from one scene in Jesus' life and ministry to the next. By using the word immediately more than 40 times in 16 chapters, Mark gives the sense that Jesus was always on the move, though never hurried, serving, healing, preaching, and making disciples. While always focused on his goal of fulfilling the Father's redemptive purposes through his atoning sacrifice on the cross. Are you keeping pace with Jesus, who came to serve, and the Father who sent him? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Scenes from the life of a suffering servant on this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for stopping by. Today, Ron takes us to the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels, focusing primarily on the actions rather than the words of Jesus Christ. And as you'll see in just a few moments, it reads something like an action movie, with the author quickly taking us from one scene to the next. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out our digital library where Ron uses his 30 years of Bible teaching ministry to answer some of your toughest questions. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message. Mark, he came to serve. I have a question for you to start with. Do words or actions establish a person's credibility more? That's kind of an easy question, I think, because most of us would say that someone's uh, actions speak louder than their words. Thus the old saying, if you're going to talk the talk, you must Were you here at the earlier hour? Because you, you said that like you know it. Yeah, if you're gonna talk the talk, you gotta walk the walk, all right? Actions speak louder than words. Or uh, another way of saying it is practice what you preach, right? Well, when it comes to establishing the credibility of Jesus, who claimed to be the Christ, you know that his last name is not Christ. That's his title. Uh, Christ means Messiah. Jesus, who is the Christ, he claimed to be the long-awaited Christ, the one who is prophesied from the prophets of old. To establish the credibility of Jesus, two things matter, his works and his words. We study both. In fact, one of my former professors in uh, seminary, Dr. Uh, Dwight Pentecost, what a name. What a name for a seminary professor, Dr. Pentecost, great professor. He wrote a monumental book titled, A Harmony of the Words and Works of Jesus Christ. And I think about that as we come to the gospel according to Mark, because long ago, Mark, Mark the Evangelist, as we call him, did the same thing by writing a summary of Jesus' ministry. Now, the gospel according to Mark focuses primarily on Jesus' works, 
to validate his messianic claim. Uh, for that reason, we don't have a lot of the major discourses, uh, the long teachings in Mark that we find in other gospels. For instance, we don't have the Sermon on the Mount in uh, the lengthy form that Matthew presents it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, there's more of an abbreviated version of the Olivet Discourse, which takes up two, two full chapters in Matthew's gospel. Uh, there's an abbreviated version of uh, what happened uh, in the upper room, but in John's gospel, John chapters 13 through 17, the, the upper room discourse, Mark's focus is more on the works of Jesus, what he did more than what he said uh, to validate his claim uh, to being the Messiah. For Mark and his Gentile audience, and keep that in mind, Mark is writing to Gentiles. They're not as concerned about some of the things that Matthew's Jewish audience was concerned about. And so for Mark and his Gentile audience, actions speak louder than words. Now Mark's gospel paces like an action thriller. Uh, when you read through it, it's, it moves quickly and it moves us from one scene in Jesus' life and ministry to the next scene. Uh, Mark actually uses uh, uh, the word immediately uh, more than 40 times in his 16 chapters. That may not mean much, but uh, by using it that many times, he gives us the sense that Jesus was always on the move. He was never in a hurry, but he was always on the move, serving and healing and preaching and making disciples, while always staying focused on the goal of fulfilling the Father's redemptive purposes through his atoning sacrifice on the cross. In the original language, 12 of the 16 chapters begin with the word and. And it just keeps moving uh, the, the story forward. So, so picture yourself in an action thriller, an action movie where there's always something happening. Moving quickly on to the next scene, that's the Gospel of Mark. Now again, the Gospel according to Mark uh, raises some questions, really uh, first about the author himself. Who is Mark? And what gives him the authority to write one of the four Gospels? Mark wasn't even one of the original 12 disciples whom Jesus called to follow him. So why does Mark get one of the Gospels? Who is he? Well, Peter called Mark my son in 1 Peter 5 and verse 13, which gave birth to the tradition that Peter led Mark to faith in Jesus Christ and discipled him. We might view Mark as sort of a second generation follower of Jesus, and there's a wonderful story in all of that. If that is true, and if Peter was Mark's primary source, as some people say, uh, then Mark's gospel could be called the gospel according to Peter. Or we might think of Mark's gospel as, as, as Peter's memoirs. Um, it's really not beyond the text to, to picture Peter even sitting alongside Mark at times and just sort of telling the story and, and Mark writing it down. And that would give sufficient apostolic authority to the gospel according to Mark because, of course, Peter was one of the eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Mark never refers to himself in the gospel. Well, that's not entirely true. If you take Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52, which is right in the middle of the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Roman soldiers come and arrest Jesus, Mark is the only one that inserts this, and some people think he's referring to himself about a certain young man who was there in the garden, and he was just dressed in a linen cloth. 
And as they came to arrest Jesus, they also tried to seize the young man. And as they reached for him, the young man started running away. And well, they were left with his linen cloth as the man, Mark says, ran naked away. Yes, there was a streaker in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you, we only know this because of Mark, because of Mark. And some people say Mark was describing himself. Maybe so, maybe not. I just lost some of you by suggesting there was a streaker in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, beyond that, Mark appears for the first time in the book of Acts, chapter 12, following Peter's miraculous escape from prison at night. Uh, Peter retreats to the house of Mary, as you might remember, Mary, Mark's mother, where the early Christians had gathered for prayer. Uh, we also learn from Colossians chapter 4 that Mark and Barnabas, remember Barnabas in the early church, generous Barnabas? He sold some property and brought the proceeds to the apostles to have it distributed. Barnabas, who was always the encourager, they were cousins, which now makes sense as to how Mark ended up on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. The three of them were traveling together. However, Mark infamously quit in the middle of the journey and went home, and it infuriated the apostle Paul. In fact, the next time Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go out on their second missionary journey, Barnabas suggests, hey, let's bring Mark along. And in Acts chapter 15, it says that Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Paul went his way, Barnabas the other way, because Paul's saying, no way am I going to bring that deserter named Mark with us. Well, Years later, it appears Paul and Mark reconciled. That is assuming the Mark that Paul refers to in Philemon and 2 Timothy as a fellow worker and very useful to my ministry is the John Mark that we read about in the gospel according, or in the uh, book of Acts. Uh, ironically, and perhaps to the point, years later, um, Mark uh, writes his gospel to the Gentiles. You see, some speculate that the reason Mark deserted was because he wasn't fully on board with Paul's uh, mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles because Mark was a Jewish believer. But maybe all that has passed years later. Now he writes his gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And, and he does not link Jesus to the Old Testament messianic prophecies as much as Matthew does. But if you remember from last week, Matthew does that because he's writing to a Jewish audience, and they would expect anybody who claimed to be a Messiah uh, to connect well to the, um, the Messianic prophecies. Up next, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching comes from Ron's monumental series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Watch or listen to the entire series at your convenience in the Something Good Digital Library. You'll find that at somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, you can also download Ron's sermon notes for today's message. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Whenever you stop by, you're invited to share your prayer request with us. Use the Explore feature at the top of the homepage where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Well, many people expected the Messiah to come as a warrior who would establish his kingdom on earth, and one day he will. 
But his mission during his first coming was to be a suffering servant, the savior who would lay down his life for the sins of mankind. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Mark, he came to serve. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. One more thing about um, Mark. If the John Mark we read about in Acts is in fact Mark, uh, the evangelist who penned the gospel according to Mark, then according to tradition, he also founded the church in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, taking the gospel to North Africa for the first time. And um, the, the, the church there in Alexandria was one of uh, uh, the most uh, prominent churches in early Christianity. Uh, keep in mind that at that time, the largest Jewish populations uh, were in Babylon, um, generations left over from you know, the Babylonian exile, those who remained in Babylon, they didn't return to Jerusalem. There was still a large Jewish population in the first century in Babylon. Second to that was Alexandria, and then Jerusalem. And so tradition has this mark making his way to Alexandria, a prominent city with Jewish population, and from there, um, ministering the gospel even to Gentiles. It was this Mark who presented Jesus to the Gentile world as the Son of Man who, quote, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Again, mark it down, no pun intended, but mark your Bible at Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. That really is the key verse that unlocks an understanding of what Mark is trying to do, presenting Jesus um, as a servant in so many ways. In fact, according to Mark, Jesus was a spirit-filled servant, a, a servant who served, then he was the suffering servant, and finally, when we get to chapter 16, he's, a, he's the special servant of God for a very specific reason. Uh, that's kind of the larger unpacking of uh, the book of Mark, so let's kind of work our way through those, those four themes, starting with uh, this Jesus who was the spirit-filled servant. Uh, beginning in chapter one, Mark skips over Jesus' early years and starts uh, this way. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What a way to begin. The beginning, skipping right over those early years. Uh, again, his Gentile audience didn't need all the genealogies and uh, the, the, the Christmas story and all of that. But he begins by linking Isaiah's prophecy about Messiah's forerunner to John the Baptist. Remember Isaiah chapter 40 speaks of the one who will cry in the wilderness, uh, preparing the way of the Lord. He links that to John the Baptist. Uh, Mark the Evangelist follows with Jesus' baptism by John and then his temptation in the wilderness. The baptism of Jesus is such a monumental story that all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the baptism of Jesus. Uh, Jesus identified with lost sinners through water baptism. He also portrayed his future death, burial, and resurrection as Mark says he came up out of the water. Now there's a lot of debate in church history about uh, the mode of baptism. You know, do you, do you uh, submerge people? Do you sprinkle? Do you pour water on? Uh, the word baptism is actually a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, which means 
uh, to submerge. And so we, we see Jesus coming up out of the water. When we practice baptism here, we, we call it believer's baptism. Uh, baptism is not required for salvation. Jesus wasn't baptized because he needed salvation. No, he was baptized as a way of identifying with lost sinners. So we practice believer's baptism in the sense that baptism is not required of salvation. No, salvation is required of baptism. Make sure that order is, is correct there. So we practice believer's baptism and baptize them um, by submersion, buried with Christ unto death, rise again to new life. And just that action alone portrays the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gospel story. Jesus came up out of the water. Even as the Father publicly affirmed his one and only Son, Mark writes in chapter 1 and verse 11, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. What a great Father's Day message, right? You know, where, where the Father in heaven is, is affirming his Son. But Mark goes on to tell us that the Holy Spirit also descended on Jesus like a dove. So, so what do we have happening here? Right here in chapter 1, at the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit in the baptism moment, making New Testament baptism Trinitarian, we might say, where all three members of the Godhead are representative there. Jesus told his disciples, Matthew records, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Again, uh, baptism in the New Testament is Trinitarian. Now this was not the first time when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. No, um, the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus when he was in Mary's womb and never departed from him, uh, something that the prophets predicted would accompany Messiah's arrival. Uh, Peter pointed out in Acts chapter 10 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And throughout his life and ministry, Jesus demonstrates what it looks like to walk by the Spirit without interruption, to be completely yielded to the Holy Spirit and what power his ministry had as a result. You and I as believers in Jesus Christ are told in Galatians chapter five to walk by the Spirit. But we do battle with three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we're warned elsewhere in the New Testament not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to quench the Holy Spirit. Not one of us will ever live our lives completely uninterrupted as we walk by the Spirit. Only Jesus Christ did that. And what power flowed through his life. Jesus came to serve, and that's Mark's theme. He came not to be served, but to serve, and he served lost sinners and the Father's purposes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's not ever forget that. Now, in the long narrative that follows, beginning in verse 15, all the way to the end of chapter 10, and Mark's gospel is only 16 chapters long, uh, Mark supports the beginning notion that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God by showing us how he served. And he records twice as many miracles as he does parables. Now, if you take all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 38 parables that Jesus told. Mark only records eight of them, but he records 20 
of the miracles. Again, actions speak louder than words to Mark and to his audience. Uh, Mark also provides a unique insight into how Jesus prepared to serve by observing his uh, personal spiritual disciplines, we might say. I think this is unique to Mark, chapter one and verse 35. I've always loved this verse. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I love that Mark gives us that insight into the spiritual disciplines. Listen, if the Son of God and the Savior of the world who walked by the Spirit uninterrupted needed to get up and spend time with his heavenly father before he met the challenges of the day. How much more we need to do that. Uh, Learn from the spiritual disciplines of our savior here, the, the serving servant. Now Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic writers as we call them, all record um, an event known as the transfiguration of Jesus. Uh, it's a time when Jesus becomes radiant in glory before Peter, James, and John. They're all on a mountaintop together. And the purpose of the transfiguration was for Jesus to show his inner circle of disciples more of his identity. And through Jesus' dramatic change in appearance, his clothes turning white, uh, his disciples became, as Peter later refers to it, as they became eyewitnesses of his majesty. And as they you know, went through uh, the Passion Week of Jesus, no doubt this was in their mind. They, they, were, they were seeing uh, their friend and their savior, who was clearly the son of man and the son of God. Uh, they had seen him. Uh, they'd gotten a glimpse of his glory like nobody else had seen. the kingdom of God, the only way to find life is to give your life away in service first to God and then to others. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And the gospel of Mark reminds us that we are called to follow in his steps. If you missed part of today's teaching, or if you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. 
to order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volumes 1 and 2, through the Old and New Testaments, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible makes a great addition to any home library. Request both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. He came up out of that grave. And this is the linchpin of Christianity. If Mark chapter 16 doesn't exist, Christianity crumbles like a cheap house of cards. But we have chapter 16, and if Mark's gospel is the first that was written, as some scholars say, then uh, chapter 16 is the earliest record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Mark, He Came to Serve. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.